0: Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. (laughs) You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond to dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor, and do not necessarily speak to the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. I'm kind of old-fashioned, so I'm going to start with an author's apology. This message uses words, and words are a tool that can heal or harm. If harm is done, none was intended. The opening film scene in the second chapter of Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, Growth and Learning, takes place in a boys' school church. After a nonsensical reading of an ostensible Bible passage, the priest stands up and leads the boys of the school in prayer. I quote, Let us praise God. Oh, Lord, ooh, you are so big. So absolutely huge. Gosh, we're all really impressed down here, I can tell you. Forgive us, O Lord, for this dreadful toadying and barefaced flattery, but you are so strong and well, just so super fantastic. Amen." The priest then leads the boys in a song where they beg God not to inflict horrible punishments on them. I found it uproariously funny when I first saw it because I understood it to be poking fun at heavily structured, organized religions such as the one I grew up in. A religion where God is the penultimate power and quick to seek vengeance. A religion steeped in Old Testament with a thin layer of New Testament placed on top. However, all of the people in Monty Python were classically educated And I can't help but wonder if the comedy goes deeper than poking fun. I recently saw this. It's coming. Here we are. A comparison of science versus religion. If we look at this, we see that um, science and religion search for answers they have strict laws and practices they have lectures big heavy books are involved long coats and long robes are involved they blow stuff up and for science they say god is man-made and religions say man is god made also found that pretty funny it's funny because it points out the similarities between science and religion separated only by their conclusion but it got me thinking this group of unbelievers over here loves to talk about the imaginary sky God as they mock religion and their smug certainty that group of believers over there loves to condemn the verse group for being unbelievers another group of believers over there loves or another group of believers Is intent upon convincing still other believers that they got it wrong sometimes it leads to political disagreements and governments fall then rise into new images sometimes to war where only some of the victors rise the others are in dead are dead or in hiding i have a dear friend whose life, work, in psychology centers on humankind's primitive ego. And this is a statement from him. The primary goal of human nature, primitive ego, can be summed up in one simple concept. It is essentially the sum total of our unconscious conditioning from childhood as we struggled to create and then defend our fragile childhood sense of self-identity. Over time, this childhood conditioning became our unconscious human nature. For example, some common aspects of human nature or childhood conditioning we adopt in childhood include, did you get that one? No, okay, you didn't get that one. We, were, we were, had a lot to do this morning. So it includes one, the never-ending need to be right. The illusion of separateness, our need for immediate gratification, our obsessive self-focus, our tendency to blame others for our own shortcomings, and our narcissistic tendency to obsessively focus our attention on what's in it for me. So these are the things from childhood that we bring to our, our adult lives. The sheer number of conceptualizations of God is staggering when we look at the sum of human endeavor. Go back through time, and it's absolutely staggering how many religions, how many concepts of God there are. The common points of humankind's compelling need for God and our ego's compelling need to survive are these things. The need to know or be right. My God is the one true God. Supporting the illusions of separateness that leads each group to become convinced they are right and the other is wrong. If mine's the true God, yours can't be. The immediate gratification that convinces us that we are on the right track, the one true way. God is shining down on me and he is doing these things for me. The obsessive self-focus one set sees other ways as threatening, necessary, uh, uh, other ways as th- as a threat, necessitating groups to prove others wrong or force them to be right. If he's shining down on me, he can't be shining down on you. Our need to seek the material from the conceptualizations of God. What's he doing for me? What's in it for me, kids? So much sorrow, so much pain comes from these practices when they are set into action. It's exhausting to the soul. I know mine's just tired from it. No wonder Buddha spoke of letting go and making it fundamental to his teachings. Let go the ego. Let go. Some postulate Christ studied Buddhism in the East during his lost years. It could explain the truly radical shift away from the vengeful God of the Old Testament to the compassionate, loving God of the New. Or it could simply be that he, too, as a man with divine inspiration and guidance, as some believe, or God in human flesh, as others believe, or essence in human form, as still others believe, was exhausted by the cruelty and the never-ending trauma of this world brought forth by our primitive egos. It could be that Jesus was showing a way through it to lessen people's suffering. Not my place to decide, because that would feed my primitive ego. And I believe just as General Akbar did, it's a trap. So the query for today is, what if knowing the nature of God is not material to the exploration? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook we have a facebook account by just searching for west hills friends you can also follow us on instagram we have a instagram account with the name west hills friends so we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways and again thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast